Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Hello, Haley. We are back again, this time with something a little bit darker, although I say that, and you know what, a lot of the things that we've covered have been dark. This is just different, a different shade of dark. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> we have covered a lot of dark stuff. Yeah, we need to do more light stuff, but that won't happen today because today we are covering the Apple TV movie Finch um, starring Tom Hanks, which is a a fascinating movie that we will get into in more detail after the break. But, you know, Haley, you you had an interesting question based off of how this movie starts us off. Yeah. So as the show, as the movie starts out, Tom Hanks is walking around singing bye-bye Miss American Pie, which I know every single word to because it was one of my all-time favorite songs as a kid. And it's one of the first songs that I remember being really proud of myself for knowing every single word to it and being able to sing those even when the song wasn't playing. (laughs) And because of that memory, I was wondering, did you have a song as a kid that you just loved and was like your favorite song? Yeah, and it's super random. Um, so when I grew up, you know, it, like CDs in my in my memory, like CDs were just becoming like the way to listen to music, which makes me sound super <laughs> so old. <laughs> but I don't think I'm that old. And one of the CDs, like my mom and dad would start to, you know, get CDs and then those CDs would play on repeat. Mm -hmm. So we had the Grammys greatest hits and then we had like Aladdin for some reason. (laughs) And then we had Paul Simon and the song that would play by Paul Simon that would, for whatever reason, me and all three of my siblings just literally dancing around the house. Can you guess? Are you you a Paul Simon fan? I mean, I don't know. Is it the... um... Oh, diamonds on my shoes one what's the no it's know. you can call me al i would never have guessed that <laughs> yeah no because it's totally weird and it's a song <laughs> you probably wouldn't hear very often today maybe sometimes at like weddings or like oldies stations in the grocery store it's super random but look it up if you've never heard of it because it is a jam or as the kids would say I've it is a bop it. it's a pop. oh Haley. i i mean it's paul simon alone right Yes. Yeah. No, I don't know that I've heard it. It's a great one. And it is seared in my memory. And I have this, if you've seen Inside Out, they talk about core memories, right? Uh So I have a core memory of just skipping and dancing around my living room and hallway to You Can Call Me Out. And I, similar to American Pie, like I know all the lyrics to this obscure Paul Simon song. That is so fun. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so everybody go and listen to that song. Yeah, you can call me out. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. 
so gosh. Go, go check it out paul simon just in general is a great musician but he's got a lot of obscure ones that are really really great but you were saying you in particular for you american pie really hit uh-huh. close to home that was just a song that you know on repeat all the verses too i yep i think i would have to listen to it two or three times to get it back now but yeah as a kid i knew every single word to every single verse whole way through not even music playing and then i also loved uh whitney houston's i will always love you and for years that was my favorite song um but a funny song from childhood memory is if you are under the age of 16 do not go listen to this song uh but it was the song wasn't me by the artist Shaggy. Oh, sure. Of course. And I listened to it again recently, and I called my mom, and I was like, how did you let me listen to this song when it came out? And she was like, (laughs) you had no idea what you were singing. And I was just like, I cannot. I also knew all the words to that song, but I... The image in my head was not what the song was about, which is so funny because I was probably like 10 or 11. So yeah, that's another funny like song memory of me just being completely oblivious to this really inappropriate song for the age. But it was playing <laughs> on the radio. Like that was the song. There you go. So that's funny. all it takes. Well, let's <laughs> let's hope for both of our sakes that when the apocalypse comes, there will still be good music for us to either somehow listen to or just play on our outdated music listening devices. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So with that, let's take a quick break and we will come back with Finch. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Finch is a 2021 American post-apocalyptic science fiction drama films directed by Miguel Sapochnik from a spec script written by Craig Luck. The film stars Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry-Jones as the robot Jeff. So it is a very small cast, but nonetheless, a, a powerful, interesting movie. It is now streaming on Apple TV, so if you haven't seen it yet by all means go and watch it and come back and listen to us talk about it so Haley, this is Mm -hmm. an interesting one i believe it was me who suggested that we should cover this after watching it a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. i sort of watched it just randomly and if i'm being totally honest i think i would watch anything that tom hanks was in yeah that's fair Okay. So it was like, oh, Tom Hanks on a robot and a dog. That's all I need to know. I'm in. What's going on? (laughs) And it turns out a lot is going on for Tom Hanks and his dog and his robot. Uh So in the world, just to kind of set this up, as Tom Hanks says, a solar flare event has essentially Swiss cheesed the ozone (laughs) layer, Uh turning... Let's. I mean, we're assuming most of the planet into a sort of uninhabitable radioactive wasteland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also taking right. out all electronics. Yes. 
but luckily for Finch, he's uh, is, uh, is it safe to say he's some sort of engineer, right? Because he's basically building from scratch uh, various robots and technology using some very old looking computers. So he he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So he said at one point when the solar flare happened that he was lucky that he was at work. And that building that we start in is a tech engineering company of sorts. And it seems like all the all the computers and the technology that he has are like down in the earth underground. And so it seems yes. like those are the only electronics that survived because they were in this high-tech building underground. Right. So he's in sort of a a uniquely survivable bunker situation, Uh which is great for him. And we see him sort of building this robot. He has already sort of smaller Wall-E type helper robot, Mm -hmm. but he's clearly also working on this larger artificial intelligence project. He's ripping up library books and uploading all the information to this old looking computer. It's all very complicated. And we're just sort of supposed to trust that this is all working somehow in the apocalypse. Yep. Sure. (laughs) Right. Uh So, you know, putting our, our suspicion of the viability of this project aside, Tom X is able to build this robot Mm -hmm. and then they go off on their adventure. So where I came in with wanting to talk about Finch on our show mm-hmm. is it felt like it established a really interesting sort of framework for us to look at a couple of different things that are very prevalent for people regarding things like climate anxiety and re- mm-hmm. regarding uh, even artificial intelligence, which is yep. essentially what Tom Hanks creates in his mm-hmm. robot, Jeff. Very much so. So because this is sort of a simple story, I think it allows us to kind of jump into these big picture topics because it is it is very clear that Tom Hanks has some climate change anxiety, although for him, it's just sort of climate reality anxiety. Yeah. He is appropriately stressed, right, about all the, the danger that he is appears to be constantly, you know, encountering. Yeah, I would almost, I guess it's not argue, it's like partly agree and also add on is... He has fear. We have anxiety, I think, because for him, and what I think is the difference is for him, he is afraid of that storm that is coming. He is afraid of the Mm -hmm. dust that is blowing. He is afraid of the UV light, which will actually burn him. Whereas today's culture, we, I think, should have slightly more fear, (laughs) but it's also more of what will come rather than what exists now. Well, yeah, and and so certainly that's true for for hopefully for like a majority of people, but there certainly are people who are presently or who have already experienced some of the effects of climate change. Absolutely, because it's already happening. (laughs) Yeah, and and personally, I can attest to this at least a little bit. Uh Not to make this about me, but we recently in New Jersey had some very unique flooding situations and climate change was the kind of thing where you know you read an article and it's like oh well even if the sea level rises a foot the closest it would get would still be 30 miles from us like we're nowhere near a beach or an ocean or even like massive sized lakes or anything like that so it's Mm -hmm. you know it you kind of think about it in those very very long terms 50 years 100 years all these sorts of things and then all it takes is sort of one weird storm. Yeah. Like New Jersey, it was Hurricane Ida mm-hmm. a couple of months ago now to make the idea of climate change and sort of unusual weather events 
very real and very present. And that takes that, as you described it from anxiety, this sort of like hypothetical future thing into this thing that is currently happening or just happened. And now maybe this is something I need to worry about more, more regularly. And also at the exact same time that Hurricane Ida was happening on the East Coast, that was when we were having the the huge fires on the West Coast. So that's right. At the exact same that's time, that's become like a yearly thing. Yeah, yeah. And so at the exact same time, the West Coast was on fire while the East Coast was flooding. And here, that's right. We are in Denver, December already, and we haven't snowed yet which is so unusual for us. And actually, the other day, it was like 70 degrees. So yeah, I think we talk about climate change as though it's not happening. However, it's clearly happening already and and being affected in so many ways. Yeah. So, and we're not here to have the debate of, you know, what's an unusual weather event, (laughs) what is directly climate change and all these sorts of things, because, you know, whether it's actual climate change over time or not, Finch is based on not necessarily specific climate change, but this sort of freak massive solar flare event. Yeah. But I think that's a great example of the climate change problem as well, because it's not necessarily going to be this over 50 to 100 years slow build water rise like that also might be happening, but it's going to be much more felt by these massive events Mm -hmm. that happen in different places around the country at different times there's it i would be shocked if there was like a the whole country or whole world is experiencing this one climate event all at the same time like that doesn't feel likely to me i'm not certainly not a climate expert but that's sort of the problem as you said with not enough people having the fear Mm -hmm. yeah i think the thing that they chose this solar flare that burned holes in the ozone layer created a unique way that potentially the whole world could be affected similarly. Because if mm-hmm. if what's protecting us from the sun's rays is the ozone layer and this flare burned holes in it, then wherever it burned holes, they probably are having a similar experience, which I think allows us to think he's the last man on earth, essentially. Right. Give or right. take. <laughs> yeah. And as the, the last man on earth, and that I think is why he is in this position of wanting to create artificial intelligence and create a robot, right, is mm-hmm. to have something that is going to outlive him. Mm-hmm. Now, in his circumstance specifically, he wants something that will outlive him to take care of his dog, Goodyear, yeah. who has a very tragic backstory that we learn later in the movie. But suffice it to say, Finch is taking care of Goodyear now and wants to make sure that the dog will continue to be taken care of after Finch has passed. Because we learn over the course of the movie that Finch has some sort of terminal illness. Do mm-hmm. we do we we don't we don't are we actually told specifically what he's dealing with? He just has like the generic movie spitting up blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has Hollywood disease. No, I don't think we ever find out because we can kind of argue that he doesn't even know because we don't know how long he's been alone and there's nobody there to like tell him what's wrong, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but he knows he's not doing great. So he (laughs) he builds this robot and he starts to, to teach him about the world and about himself and about the dog. And it's interesting to watch Finch as a person who is, as you said, dealing with a lot of very real and appropriate fear Mm -hmm. start to, kind of explain to 
I, I guess we could say someone, something, mm-hmm. sort of how to understand and, and survive in the world as it exists now, not as it, you know, exists, as, as Finch says, when he was a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of teaching him how to be human in, in the world. Exactly. I think that that's actually, now that you say it, what I think is actually really cool is teaching them how to be human in the world as it is is kind of the work that I do a little bit with acceptance, which is, mm-hmm. you know, your world is the way that it is. How do you want to live within that world? So if you have climate anxiety, for example, it makes sense. And your world is the way that it is. So how do you want to live with that anxiety and act in spite of or feel motivated by this fear, this anxiety that you have? Live in the world that you're in. Absolutely. Because I think this this also relates to a lot of, you know, what we see people talking about with COVID is this sort of desire for the world to go back to the way it was uh-huh. pre-COVID, right? You know, and certainly that that sentiment is is similar with weather and climate disasters as well. It's just like, oh, we just want things to go back to normal. But for people who live in, let's say, Tornado Alley or, you know, along the, the East Coast where they get hammered by hurricanes every year, that is normal for them. Uh-huh. And I think for people who don't live in those places and they're sort of getting acclimated to these sorts of new events, it's really difficult to accept it as normal, that this is the kind of thing that could now happen with some regularity. Yeah. I was kind of thinking the way you describe it, it's almost, what am I trying to say? Pretty much anything that we are afraid of has this result of... I want it to go back to normal when it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So if yep. we're afraid of losing relationships and they're like not going well, I often hear people say like, I just want us to go back to normal. And when yep. there's an event like a solar flare or climate change or a pandemic, can it ever go back to what it was before? Or do we find a new normal? And also I think that phrase is is kind of overused, but I think it's real is you, you can't go back to what it was before because it's happened. You've had experiences that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And you talked about acceptance. The article you and I were talking about sort of talks about things like mindfulness and meditation, these sort of approaches that help us to be grounded in the mm-hmm. present moment. And and as you said, accepting the present moment, you know, so it's without judgment. It's not, it shouldn't be this way. It's just, yeah. this is the way it is. So what am I going to do about uh-huh. it? Yeah, and then there's there's a lot of challenges with that. For me, uh, after the flood, it was like, okay, you know what? I th- I do. I need to go outside. I need to in the rain. Just, just sort kidding. of like, okay, this is yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and and outside was the flood damage everywhere, and it's uh-huh. like, okay, this is this is not the kind of outside I'm looking for because what we're essentially looking for, what this article, which we can put in the the show notes, is the window of tolerance. It's where it's like. This is the way things are supposed to be. I am comfortable and I can make decisions and I can do everything I need to do because things are sort of appropriately meeting my expectations. Yeah, I think what you just described of trying to get away and then going outside and it's not only still there, but in some cases worse. That is such a beautiful metaphor for our feelings, right? Like so often Mm -hmm. when we try to escape the anxiety that we feel, we end up running head-on into it being even worse. And I think 
in this case, right, he creates this robot, which will try to get him away from his anxiety about who's going to take care of Goodyear. And then things kind of keep not going great with Jeff, where it's like very clear that he's not going to learn fast enough. He ultimately does, but he's not going to learn fast enough, which was Finch trying to get away from his anxiety and then continually just like being reminded that, nope, this is still a thing you need to be worried about, your mortality, essentially. Yeah, that that this is not going to go away. Yeah. And, you know, and I do think there's value for Finch in, you know, creating these sort of rules and and going mm-hmm. through the teaching process that yeah. he clearly gets a lot of joy from seeing Jeff learn and adapt yeah. and, and grow in terms of how he's able to cope in the world as it exists. And I think there are some lessons in that for, for us as well, whether with broader anxiety or with climate anxiety specifically, because we see Jeff take initiative. <laughs> yes, we do. Which even if it wasn't necessarily like always the most safe thing to do, oh, uh, it also did help them find food or it helped them figure out that actually there were places in the world that were safe and they wouldn't have done that without that curiosity mm-hmm. or without that initiative, I should say. I call it curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Because can a robot be curious? Yeah. He, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, no, and and, because I think where that's valuable for us is, again, I think back to my own experience, it's like you kind of need that initiative, that curiosity to take you out of the, or at least for me personally, it was like, I can't stop thinking about how bad my basement smells, or I can't stop like Mm -hmm. walking down there and looking at, you know, all the stuff that's water damaged. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's, that's stuck, right? That's what a stuck feeling is, whether it's whether you want to call it anxiety or like the trauma of it, but it's initiative that's like, okay, let me see what happens if I, you know, call the insurance company. Let me see what happens if I take a walk outside or let me see what happens if I go and help somebody else, right? Because there were other people that certainly, you know, especially when you're dealing with an emergency like that, other people are are waiting and and ready for your assistance if you're, you know, needing to kind of take yourself out of your own head. And there's so much value in doing that, which we see with Finch as well. Absolutely. And I think as you were speaking, I was like, oh, the difference between acceptance and resignation, I think, is this initiative. So what I mean by that is oftentimes I'll say to patients, what if it's just okay that you feel the way that you feel? What if you don't fight it? What if you Mm -hmm. accept it? And oftentimes that comes out in the form of, oh, whatever, I'm just depressed. Who cares? Which is resignation. It's not going to change. I can't control it. I don't care. Acceptance is, okay, I don't like it. It's not comfortable and I can't change it. And then what, right? And initiative. So, all right, there is this thing that's happening to you, around you, in your experience. Now, what initiative do you want? What's important to you? Mm -hmm. And I always say to people, like, if there is something that you do that like nine out of 10 times makes you feel better and it doesn't affect your life negatively in any way, by all means, do it. So it's not that, oh, don't do anything to try to make yourself feel better. No, that's not the case at all. It's you can't just tell yourself to stop feeling sad, right? If you feel sad, you're going to feel sad. However, if you can do something, right, if you take initiative, whether that's taking a walk outside to feel better or helping somebody else to feel better, or I'm worried about climate change, I'm going to 
educate myself, recycle, try to get things passed in the government to make changes on a grander sure. scale for Politically companies. Active. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or if it's, you know, just I'm, I'm going to sit and be aware that I myself am anxious about this thing that I don't have immediate control over. And that's okay. My initiative is to continue living my life separate from climate change in a valuable way. My family, my dog, my work, my hobbies. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, the the key there, the keystone is initiative. Take action. Totally. And and I, I want to share one of my favorite quotes from Finch. Mm. Just I'm going to drop it on you right now because it's so in line with what you just said. I love it. At one point, Finch says, um, as he's teaching Jeff, things will happen to you, things that you cannot control. Raw emotion will find you. When it does, how you deal with it, what you do will define who you are. It happens yeah. to all of us, whether we want it to or not. Yeah, I loved that line. And my response was, can robots feel emotions? <laughs> right, right. I got all AI about it. But yeah, I think that's, you're right. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. And I think your your question kind of leads us into a, a next sort of fascinating part of the Finch-Jeff dynamic, which is Finch is kind of teaching Jeff in some ways, like inadvertently, but like to be his therapist, right? Like do all these things uh, for me that I need right now, either uh, physically or emotionally Mm -hmm. to give me, right? Because he essentially is looking for sort of reassurance in his anxiety that Mm -hmm. Goodyear will be taken care of, right? I would argue that that's not a therapist's job, but I also understand what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the the interesting part of, of it for me is... You know, in many ways, uh, we in the present world are also on the precipice of like trying to create artificial intelligence and or robots that can support us in our needs, whether they be physical or emotional. Yeah. So I'm curious for you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts or exposure to any of the like AI chatbots or AI therapist tools that have been, you know, played around with out there? Um, I haven't played around with any of the tools, but I do have thoughts about AI. And Great. I'm very curious. I think with where we are currently, it's almost a, um, I think it was Harlow's Monkeys, where there was like two wire parents and one was like covered in fur and the other yes. one was covered yes. or fed them and the babies would spend all their time with the one that had fur and they would like either try to reach over and get the food from the other one or they'd run and they'd eat and then they'd come back to the one with fur. And I feel that where we are currently, that's kind of the place that we're at, which is the AI can give the responses and can meet the required needs. If you say like, I'm feeling sad, they can respond and say, I'm sorry that you're feeling sad. Please tell me more. What made you feel sad? Right? Like they can give these really Mm -hmm. well-programmed responses. However, there was a moment where I realized like, oh, this cast is actually perfect for this conversation because what Jeff can give Finch, Goodyear cannot. But what Jeff can't give Finch Goodyear can. And I think it comes down to like, Jeff can say the right things, but Goodyear gives 
the love and the connection yeah. and the like mm-hmm. the life right the personality the comfort the, yeah. the other yeah yeah and i think that that is kind of where we are with ai right now which is there's times where i say nothing to my patients but i look at them and they start crying and it's because the way mm. i looked at them said like i see you yep right and a robot at this time cannot do it because it it's a feel right it's a feeling and i think we don't have good enough technology that we can be tricked that it's not a robot and therefore we'll know it's a robot and as soon as we know it's a robot it comes with this disingenuine feeling to it which i think disconnects us from from the person quote unquote absolutely and i i love what you said and i do think it kind of gets at the distinction that you know I, I mean personally i don't want ai to become therapists even if there is a world in which you know finch looked like a living breathing human and knew how to give that look that you described you know i think what we're talking about in a way is like the creativity that happens in mm-hmm. therapy right is the sort of human connection that can't really be programmed at least I think I, I want to believe that that's the case, but who knows where yeah. uh, computer programming will head. But but I think you're exactly right that, that, that there's the thing that is missing from AI and I think even is missing from, and look, I think there are people that benefit from these services, but like text therapy, like text uh-huh. chat therapy, um, I think is missing a lot of these same things, which is the emotion of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Is the difference between texting your therapist, I was sad today, Mm -hmm. and sitting in front of a human who sees you and knows what it means when you say that, I think is is a really important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. There have been times where like, we've had technical difficulties on my telehealth, and I've done a phone call. And I've had to say to Mm -hmm. my patients, like, I can't read right now. How are you reacting emotionally to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that a robot would care, right? Like, I, I guess care suggests emotions. But I also, when you said, like, I don't think that AI could get to that point, I think it could. And I guess maybe it can. Here's yeah. why is because I think that we are we're essentially robots. We're just fleshy robots with this something extra that we haven't been able to program yet. But <laughs> sure. Yeah. Basically, every way that we know how to interact with people are approximations of behavior that get reinforced. Totally. Yeah. Uh, You and me, for instance, we are, we love comedy and we love like making other people laugh and we love performance. I bet you if there were a video of our life, Truman Show style, and we watched it, there would be these times in childhood where we said or did something that got a lot of positive feedback for being silly, being Mm. funny putting on some kind of performance. I remember making up a joke as a kid and my parents looking at each other and my dad saying to my mom, that was actually really funny. And I was like eight. (laughs) And I remember being like, this is the best day of my life. And I often think back, like that was the moment where I was like, oh, if I'm funny, people will think I'm clever. Like people will appreciate it. And it'll feel good. Yeah, and I yeah. like it. Yeah. So I got reinforced yeah, yeah. to try to be funny. Mm-hmm. 
And so my behavior slowly went in that direction to the point where humor is my first or second value in my life currently. Sure. Yep. I think robots are similar as long as you can teach them what reinforcement is. This is the sound of human laughter. This is the sound of <laughs> yeah. a dog barking. This is These are the words to code. And when you hear these, make this behavior more repeatable in these mm -hmm. moments. And yep. so like life is just a lot of variables. The difference is a computer can't spontaneously break algorithm. So it will always have to fall mm. within a certain algorithm. We as humans frequently break algorithm. And then we try to come up with explanations for why they happened because our brains don't like gaps in information. Uh, retroactively. That's yeah. Right. Yes. The Stockholm syndrome came from them being like, mm -hmm. why did this happen? And it's like, because humans are weird. That's why. Like human brains don't yep. make sense. And I think that we'll get to the point where AI can mimic human behavior very closely, but until we can figure out how to algorithmize, <laughs> how to make an algorithm <laughs> out of that yep. spontaneity of human existence, mm -hmm. I don't think they will ever be completely replaceable, but we also might not be able to tell. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, I guess the extent to which an AI therapist is possible is, you know, as much as it continues to possibly be beneficial to people. Because if mm -hmm. people start interacting, or I should say continue, because there are these sort of AI chatbots out there as the first mm -hmm. stage of this, and it's helpful to people, it will continue to exist and it will probably continue to get better. So mm -hmm. that is a good thing. It is a good thing for more therapy to be available to more people. And because really what we're looking for is conditions through which, you know, whether it's Finch at the end of the world or your sort of average person on a Tuesday morning mm -hmm. has a space for their emotions to be validated and accepted and their needs to be supported in a way that helps them thrive. Yeah. Right. So if AI therapists are a part of that equation, okay, as long as it's really for me, like helpful for people and not something that causes more problems than it solves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just I wonder if if we know that it's AI rather than a human, mm. if we'll get that same level sure. of validation. Like I I, I yeah. kind of well, wonder well, that time will tell. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Here, let's try yeah. something. I'm gonna ask yeah. my okay. my phone. I'm gonna tell my phone that I'm feeling sad tonight and I'm gonna see what it says. And I want you to tell your phone the same thing and let's see how similarly okay, sure. they respond. Okay, ready? Well <laughs> sure. I'm feeling sad tonight. I'm sorry to hear that. Sometimes taking a quiet moment can help. You could try listening to your favorite music or doing some simple stretches. <laughs> That's really good advice, actually. I really like that. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is yours? I, that, I think that kind of gets uh -huh. to your point. Okay. I'll do my. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling sad tonight. <laughs> oh, it just gave me feeling sad tonight. A song by Carol King. <laughs> That really point. brings us back to the original question. Okay, well, this is actually a perfect. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about. That's the spectrum. <laughs> this is actually a perfect example of what I was talking about. Right? It takes a set of variables yes. and it decides what is the most likely outcome for this. Apparently, yes. mine is like the most likely Sorry. outcome is her uh, feelings, oh and yours God. is like that's music. So <laughs> But I think that's a great but example. I, it like reminds me of like a really bad therapist trope where it's like, 
oh yeah, you know, this thing happened today. And like the really bad therapist trope is like, <laughs> that reminds me of a song I once heard. <laughs> but it's like completely out of the moment. Man, that is really funny. That is so funny. I, I think that's such a, I, so, yeah. we could not have planned that better. That is so funny. Uh, no, I, I wish I could have predicted that because your answer was so good. And I got a Carol King song. Well, hi, well, that's, that's, that's the limits of what we're at right now. <laughs> okay. So also I know that this is a robot. So when it says to me, I'm sorry to hear that. Take a quiet moment, listen to your favorite music, do some simple stretches. I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. If I paid a therapist and this is their response, I would have been like, all right. <laughs> like I could have thought of listening to music and doing some yoga on my own. Yes. So there is that variable of it being a machine. Yes, absolutely. And I think to your point, when patients or just people in general in this mental health or social media world hear suggestions like, well, you just need to breathe or you just need to uh -huh. do mindfulness meditation or you just need to journal, that there's a very strong reaction to that because it's like, well, if that's all I needed to do, things wouldn't hurt this much or mm -hmm. I wouldn't be struggling so much because if yeah. that's the only solution that was necessary, the problem wouldn't be this bad in the first yeah. place. I've told people yeah. if they find themselves saying to someone they care about, you just or it just when they're trying to make them feel yes. any better, do not finish that sentence because I was like, that is Agreed. not going to help. And I think that's kind of what you were speaking about is like, if there were just a simple answer, you and I would not have jobs. Right. Right. Because people would just meditate and their problems would go away and yeah. they wouldn't ever get to the point where we were, where they would need to talk to someone like you or I. Yeah. No, because it, like there would be yeah. one article on New York Times that everyone would read mm -hmm. and everyone would find that it's successful. And then you and I could go and write articles for new york times i don't know what else we would do <laughs> or, or do stand-up comedy uh, yeah we would just be doing something else <laughs> someone please write that article <laughs> there you go so funny. <laughs> yeah so you know unfortunately with finch you know as much as he teaches uh jeff the ways of the world he is a mortal human being mm -hmm. one with a terminal illness and and we get to this really beautiful moment where, you know, they're somewhere in like the Midwest or are getting closer to San Francisco. And all of a sudden, Jeff sees a butterfly sort of mm -hmm. floating outside, right? Of uh, the... It'd be nice if that's what he saw. No, the butterfly got right. smushed into the windscreen, windshield. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's worse. Yeah. Well, right, he saw something worse. that was alive. Yeah, I only remember smushed. the butterfly being alive, obviously. Yes. And, and yeah, so he tells Finch and Finch discovers that actually the whole planet or the whole country is not radioactively 150 degrees and he yeah. can go outside and he can breathe the air and he can put on his finest suit and Which teach so nice. uh, Jeff how to play fetch with uh, Goodyear. And yeah. it's a really nice moment of, hey, things are not always going to be as bad as they seem sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think also is a really valuable lesson. Yeah. Take some initiative and you find those areas of the world that feel slightly better. Right? His circumstances haven't changed necessarily. That's right. right. Still, it's still post-apocalypse. Yeah. And he's still one of the only people in the world. And there still are mm -hmm. these holes in the cheese. But there's also places of cheese. Yeah. And I will always use cheese as good moments because cheese is amazing. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, and if every time there were a weather emergency, you took that to mean it's never safe for me to go outside, right? Mm-hmm. That would be the turning off the initiative button, yeah. right? And being able to take that initiative to see what is still good out there, what still works out there, mm-hmm. I think allows us to discover those things and still benefit from the things that that are still available to us. Yeah. He would have stayed inside his RV, his Winnebago, if he had a simple rule to for the whole world. Do not go in the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, rules, man. Yeah, so I really, I really enjoyed that scene because that brought us back to another theme in this movie, which was trust, right? Uh-huh. So Jeff sort of learns that Goodyear the dog doesn't trust him, which, like, understandable. The the robot as a, a, a visual is kind of creepy. Yeah, and the voice is something <laughs> hard, hard to describe. The voice it like goes in between robot and human, which makes sense because yep. it's a human pretending to be a robot. But yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. So we are left to sort of reconcile with, okay, these are actually Finch's sort of last moments. He gets the sort of Hollywood coughing blood on my nice suit signal that that, like things are coming to an end. I know. And, you know, and, and amidst all that, he's just sort of very accepting. This is the sort of next step that he knew was coming. And he wants Jeff to know how to play fetch with Mm -hmm. Goodyear. Mm Mm-hmm. And he takes the moment to make sure that that Jeff knows how to do that. Yeah, that was really sweet. And I think that idea of trust, too, is such an interesting emotion for them to have chosen for AI, right? For a robot. Mm-hmm. Because yep. I've, I've had to explain to my patients before, trust isn't only a feeling. It's also a set of behaviors. As mm-hmm. you could argue, yep. so is love, so is... Mm-hmm. So sure. like so many other things that require another person. But the thing about trust is, yes, it's a feeling. However, it's also like, are you willing to to allow this person's space to hurt you? Are you willing to allow this person's space to steal from you? Are you willing to allow this space? Because that's what trust is, is a willingness to allow vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is Goodyear is like, no, there you don't have the mm-hmm. the human side to you until the end when uh, Finch is gone and yep. he feeds him and he realizes like, oh, you too will take care of me. Yes. And then yeah. he's like, here, let's play more catch, more fetch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really powerful. And and I was curious, you know, with the along the lines with the the trust piece, mm-hmm. um, because we don't. We literally don't see any other humans, basically, in this movie. Um, The only very brief sort of interaction is, I guess, some sort of weird trap sort of happens in a mall where, you know, Jeff takes initiative, goes into this. Oh, it's a hospital? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff takes initiative, goes into this hospital to look for food because he says any anytime you can have a chance to look for your next meal, take it. So mm-hmm. Jeff takes initiative. And he also wants to get medication to help Finch because yes. Finch is sick at of that course. point. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And he finds himself a nice jacket and all these <laughs> things feel like a good decision for him to have made. But then as soon as Finch realizes he's gone, he sort of rushes in to find him, scolds him very in a very fatherly, disappointed with his child kind of way. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's this sort of now we must run scene because the unseen people could be after us. Well, they are after us. Well, yeah. And I guess but at the same time, we don't see enough from these people who are supposedly after them to know what their intentions are. Yeah, I think the only part that can directly suggest that they don't have good intentions is the trap that they set. Right. Because you would assume that it would be humans reaching for the food, not robots. We just got lucky that it was a robot. Totally a fair assumption. There was definitely a trap. So I'm not suggesting like these people just wanted to say hi and make friends. But (laughs) I miss people. I I am. I know. But I, I guess there's a part of me that wants it to be true that much in the way that Finch's assumptions about the world were that it was dangerous everywhere because of the weather Mm -hmm. and that turned out not to be true was also maybe not true about the people that were still left in the world yeah well and we know that when we get to the golden gate because the notes that are left are i love you i miss you come find me Mm -hmm. and so i think that that actually speaks again to what we spoke about in Uh, the beginning, which is like fear and anxiety. And fear is recognizing that something is immediately happening that is scary. These people are chasing us. They set a trap for us. We're in danger that I'm afraid. Anxiety is everybody that I run into will possibly be after me and wanting to hurt me in this way. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has a reason to have that anxiety because there are people that he has encountered that he should be afraid of. The little yep. girl was killed when he found Goodyear and these people yes. from the Denver hospital chase him. Like he's not, it's not irrational by any means. That's right. Mm-hmm. And at the end, Jeff and Goodyear, it seems because they don't have anxiety because they're not human. Uh, they go out to seek other humans. Yeah. We think. Yeah, and, and we are left with this sort of in- intentionally vague ending of, are there actually humans out there or not? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are. Okay. Yeah, because Based those on the notes, sort of pictures and Yeah, because the notes are like, yeah. to me, the notes feel very post-solar flare, like, hey, we made it here. We're going to Santa Rosa mm-hmm. or whatever it said. Come find sure. us. Yeah. If they survive, I think, is, is questionable, right? Because... You know, that little girl didn't survive. But with the number of notes that were there, it seems that there is a fair number of people. What's confusing for me is like, why are they just not in San Francisco? San Francisco looks like the place to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You would think it would totally be the place to be, right? Why wouldn't there be like that, be the hotbed of sort of humane uh, people kind of thriving, right? Gorgeous. Especially if the weather is safe. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, so yeah, it's a mystery, and I think it's intentionally vague, and, and we hope for, for Goodyear, uh, especially, that things continue to head in a direction of happiness and, and, and fetch, and just like the way you would want a, a dog to live out the remainder of its life, right? Yeah, and then we can yeah. only guess what will happen to Jeff after his mm-hmm. instruction has passed. Yep. Yeah. Yes, and and rest in peace, Tom Hanks. Finch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you say. <laughs> the world will uh, go yeah, crazy yeah. Sorry, if they hear rest in peace, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so no, I know. It just it's just one of those things where 
you know, he's always in these sort of precarious movie situations, it feels like. Mm -hmm. So it's, it feels like one of the few movies where he does actually pass away and you can correct me or fact check me if I'm wrong, but, but yeah, but nonetheless, it's a very emotional story. Mm-hmm. like any story with a dog that just wants to play fetch mm. so we're kind of we're kind of left with you know what is what do we take away from this movie and mm-hmm. what do we want this to say about how we take care of ourselves and take care of each other especially as the world continues to head in a scarier direction i hate to say that but it feels yeah. true sometimes right yeah i mean i think what's scary is we don't know all right all the unknowns. There are some things that we do know, and those things are mm-hmm. scary. There's fear and anxiety is what I'm saying. <laughs> so much. I know. And, and and obviously, you and I talked about sort of some of the skills that we can put in place to to cope with those things, and, and we'll continue to preach those to people who will listen. Mm-hmm. But perhaps in the meantime, we should do some uh, reviews here yeah, of Finch. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, let's see, out of five knockoff Wally robots, <laughs> how accurate would you rate Finch? How accurate was mental health portrayed in Finch? Yeah, yeah. I am going to give it, okay, I'm going to give it a two Deweys. Rest in pieces. Um, <laughs> that's, yes. That is an awful joke. Um and the reason why I'm going to give it two, I was going to give it one because I don't think that Finch is like struggling enough for his circumstances. I hmm. think he would be much more anxious, much more, much more afraid. I do recognize that like a lot of people go into fight or flight mode and just like survival mode. However, even his survival mode has like a sense of calm to it. Not like he's been living this like years long trauma, which is essentially what he's been doing. I think the fact that he has a pet that gives him a sense of purpose and a sense of calm and a sense of connection. I think that is very real. So that wins some Mm -hmm. points, but overall, like I don't think he is anxious or afraid or, stressed out enough for his circumstances he like just kind of seems chill now that was i was going to give it a one the reason i give it a two is i'm going to say if i suspend the ai um, disbelief that i have and i say like okay this robot can truly learn to be more human like then it bumps it up to a two for me because finch does experience connection with somebody that can speak to him that he can interact with right when when jeff Mm -hmm. learns to drive and is like kind of excited about it finch experiences joy in watching him learn and like jeff starts to learn what does it mean to trust what does it mean to live a little what does it mean to tell a joke and and those are all things that we can teach people and as a matter of fact they are things that we all learned at some point to an extent but yeah so i think like if i suspend a little bit disbelief i think it creates a more robust mental health portrayal but other than that like he seems oddly just like fine with it all and i like don't know that he would have been yeah so in other words the sort of like light-hearted singing american pie feels 
like a movie moment and not like a person who would be actually in the post-apocalypse moment. Kind of. So the, I will say like, I do think that a person occasionally would find moments of like singing or especially like at that point, like lightness. Yeah, at sure. that point, there's nothing chaotic going on. He's just walking through another that supermarket. True. So I think mm-hmm. in that moment, he absolutely mm-hmm. would just be like singing a song because it's just another day for him. When he finds out that the storm is coming and he's about to die, he's like, he eats the peaches and that's like the most real, like he just is basically runs and is like, screw mm. it. Let me just finally eat these. That feels the most yep. real. But then after that, he kind of just like, okay, leaving. Every- okay. Let's teach this robot how to yeah, walk. Like everything <laughs> that I know, I'm just going to leave behind. And yeah. my stronghold mm-hmm. is just bye, just time to head out. That didn't feel real to me, I think. And also, I think he would have gone a little bit like cabin fevery, not mm. having anybody to talk to. I think, I guess he does talk to the robots a bit and definitely the dog, which we all would. But I like, I think having oh, no yeah. language connection with another, I think would probably make him go a little woo woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, right, and he talks to to Dewey, even though Dewey doesn't have the the gift of Which speech. Is, so I, I mean, think... neither does Goodyear, right? At least Goodyear can connect in some way. But yes. I mean, I talk to my Roomba all the time. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's why we see him get such joy out of yes. some of his ongoing interactions with yeah. Jeff. Is like, oh, this is what it was like to interact with something that has speech sort of the capacity for understanding of connection speech. Yeah, it's that thing that I said earlier, where it's like Jeff offers what Goodyear cannot and Goodyear offers what Jeff cannot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there was one line in the movie that made me literally laugh out loud. And it was when Jeff was trying to figure out what his name was. And Finch said, what about Jack? And Jeff responds, that's a tool's name. <laughs> and I literally <laughs> laughed out loud. I thought that was so funny. So on a scale of five jacks, <laughs> um, how entertaining did you think Finch was? Yeah. So a lot of the sort of criticism of it is it's sort of very plot light that it's basically just a yeah. buddy film without the buddy. <laughs> or without the sort of the, there's not that much plot to it even even the the one time we get a sort of tense possible conflict scene they just kind of hide under the bridge and then the you know the rv breaks down but then that's basically it. yeah they don't even have to solve that we don't have to solve it there's no confrontation we don't learn who that was mm-hmm. so in that sense it, it uh has some slower moments for mm-hmm. me but you know I, I think this is where my tom hanks bias comes in I, I was in, I was always going to watch this movie. I was always going to enjoy this movie. So my bias, just sort of practicing that self-awareness, makes it a very entertaining movie for me. I would probably say a low four, like a four one out of five. Okay. Not the peak of entertainment, but really good, a really good Tom Hanks movie that you can, you know, polish off on your average weeknight. Okay. I would give it a little bit lower than that. Yeah. I was thinking between three and okay. 3.5. Okay. I didn't really notice that there wasn't a plot until you mentioned it. Mm. But for me, like I had to take like a an intermission in the middle because I was just like, this is so okay. slow. But yeah. Tom, like 
Tom Hanks, man. Like, he's just an enjoyable person. Yeah. I was so annoyed by Jeff in the beginning, but then, like, enjoyed watching him, like, grow and learn and repeat, you know, live mm-hmm. a little. And yeah. But then the ending to me, it was so. I'll, I'll tell the audience, I have to come in tonight and say, like, wait, what happened? Did I miss something? Like, what, what? were we supposed to take from the ending of that and so that would have that kind of lost me a little bit was I was kind of like oh okay well all right <laughs> but yeah I still think the characters were enjoyable yeah agreed uh, so you know another interesting movie for us and you know if somehow you've listened to this episode without watching it you know by all means go spend an evening with Tom Hanks yeah definitely And with that, um, you know, we have a lot of exciting shows and movies we are planning to talk about. So definitely uh, follow along with us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, TikTok. And, you know, we hope you will will keep following along. We have a lot of exciting stuff uh, coming up. Yeah. At Pop Psych 101, we also have a Patreon now that will give you a little bit of behind the scenes extras. And we will speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye.